are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point Number Nine, a Tennis Bets podcast. Uh, I am one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find us at MP9 Tennis on Twitter. And if this is your first time listening, chances are that's how you found us. Welcome, hello. And if you're a returning listener, a returning champion, thank you. Welcome back. With me, as always, uh, number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Dave and I went out to San Diego last week, had a great time. Now we're back here to help out you guys with some bets. Absolutely. And uh, our third, not third, I was going to say a third wheel, but that's a, a negative connotation. But our third expert here, how about that uh jonathan reed john you can find him at jr tweets tennis uh he's got betting content all over the place his own brand tidbits tennis i uh, does stuff for action network betting expert hammer hq if you're on the timeline betting tennis chances are you know john john welcome hello how's it going boys going well yes derek and i went to san diego and i have to say man like tennis is awesome to see in person live if you have a chance if there's a site in your area you know if you're listening to this podcast you probably have an interest in tennis chances are you're going to be able to get up pretty close to the action for relatively cheap although the the tickets were a little more expensive than i thought they were going to be At least compared to last year. I mean, last year they were super freaking cheap. It was like 20 bucks to get in the door. It was a little, little, little more this time, but it was still, you know, we were literally like sitting right behind the player's box for like 60 bucks. So, <laughs> so yeah. it was pretty good. And then, I mean, just a great setup uh, for the bar area and concessions. And uh, they had nice merch area. I got myself uh, a Brooksby hat, his sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> they had a whole setup. I was like, I'm getting something, and uh, and that's what I got. That's what I got. Their pol- the polos were a, a, a bit steep, but uh, I, I got a, I got a hat. Derek, do you have any uh, thoughts about uh, San Diego? I kind of laid out my thoughts. Uh, I'll give you a little uh, space here. Does Dan Evans like being called Dirtball Dan? I don't know because I was definitely screaming it in what the fourth row, and no one was cheering for him. He was yelling at his girlfriend to cheer for him. I was screaming, "Let's go, Dirtball!" And his girlfriend, apparently, I didn't see this, but someone told me that she turned around and specifically looked at me like with disdain. Yeah, that's confirmed. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> yeah, Evans I've never was heard like, that nickname. It doesn't sound like a good nickname. It sounds like a like a dirtbag. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like you're calling him a dirtbag. No, but if you if you Google dirtball Dan, Dan Evans wiki comes up like it's a thing. Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't know this was a thing. It didn't throw off his game though, because he won a straight set, so it didn't seem to appreciate it. Too much we came, uh, we went with a friend who didn't really know tennis or doesn't really know tennis, and you know, we were like, we're gonna back Evans this match, and uh, I mean, Evans maybe you know displayed some of the biggest assholery I've ever seen from an opponent winning a match to his own <laughs> side. I mean, he's yelling at his coach, "Speak up, speak up!" Like I can't hear you. <laughs> Like Nick Curio say, yeah, yeah, like yeah. My friend was like, I don't want to root for this guy. I'm like, well, I don't blame you. He's being a fucking dick to his own side. Um, so that was that was interesting. Uh, and then uh, yeah, he he was making fun of our buddy was also making fun of Giron fist pumping after every point. That was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's like every player though. And then yeah, the night sesh uh, Brooksby went down. That was pretty brutal. I I I I bet on Brooksby. Didn't give that on the pod, but I bet on Brooksby when we were there. Might have had a few of those cut water uh, canned cocktails in me. <laughs> yeah, like I need something. <laughs> he was serving for the match and then freaking blew it. Yeah, he, he served what, the match five three in the third set. Yeah, couldn't come home for me. 
It was great. Brando needed three in the in the match after. It was a long day of tennis. Uh, my friend was like, "You guys still want to stay and watch this?" And Derek and I <laughs> like, uh, "Yes." But like, I think we ended up we did leave uh, before the third set of the Nakashima match. It went pretty late. I mean, that was like we left at like ten o'clock, so it, it that was easily the latest day in San Diego all week. And again, they had the 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 women's side coming up, and which is a, a much better field. I mean, Iga's there, Coco's there. It's it's going to be pretty sweet. And what's great about the site where they have it, the south you got Ocean Beach, tons of great bars. The north there's the Pacific Beach, so it's like sandwiched in between two great spots. Anyway, uh, well, speaking of ATP San Diego, that was last week, and this is a betting podcast uh, and embedding content. We always try to be as transparent as possible. So let's quickly recap uh, what we hit and missed. From last week, uh, I'll, I'll start with San Diego since we're talking about it. I mentioned last week that I had Brandon Nakashima to win it all at four to one. That cashed. Uh, that was pretty sweet. Uh, we faded uh, John's boy Lestian against Evans. That came in. We liked Giron to cover in the uh, quarterfinals. He did that as well. Then we kind of fell off with San Diego. We were running out of steam last week, uh, but pretty good. Uh, pretty good for us on the San Diego side. Mets not so much. Uh, I had Hubie winning it all and. He went down to Sinego, who did win it all. Did hit Bublik, uh, reaching the final, uh, including a win as a small favorite against Holger Runa, a match he was really trying to blow. Uh, we also lost uh, Michael Emer. I think that was uh, a three-way collab on the Emer bet against Warinka <laughs> last week. Uh, that went, I'm not going to say down in flames. He lost at the third set tiebreak, but man, he had so many opportunities to to win that, and uh, he just didn't. I mean, I think it was like, <laughs> it, it took literally everything out of Warinka because he... <laughs> Didn't didn't play the rest of the week after that. He was cramping the whole, not the whole third set, but he was cramping throughout the third set, and Emer just could not finish him off. Typical Michael Emer. And then, of course, Wawrinka, three games into the next match, three games in, was like, I can't take it anymore. It's like, this is after a night off, after recovery, with a, a much more, you know, full energy tank, and he's like, I can't do this. How bad do you have to be to lose to that guy? <laughs> In a third set tie break. But you know what? I will say I faded Emer this week and again with Ivashka and got it in the third set at 7-5. So that was like a little sweet revenge. Like, ha, ah, this time I'm on the right side of you being an idiot in the third set. <laughs> uh, we had a fist pump here, John. What do you got action on right now? <laughs> As we record, I'm sweating the live, uh, the over in the Fils and Gombosh match in Orleans. And Gombosh just got broken serving at 5-4-40-15 with set points. So now we've got at least 12 games in the first set. So pretty happy about that. Oh, there yeah, dude. Challenger TV. Okay, so I was I actually wa- I was watching Challenger TV, uh, I don't know, yesterday or two days ago. Either way, there was like 1,000 people watching. And then I'm thinking like, dude, how many things like I – in my life, did I have to do to come to the point where I'm watching Challenger TV today? And I'm like, me and these 1,000 people. 1.2K, bro. It's always like 1.2K. That was the Mute Andrea match. Uh, (laughs) 1.2K for Mute Andrea. Okay, so what happened in that to actually what the ending happened? I mean, the ending, so they also just had this little scuffle at the end, but like what led to that? I think they had history from, well, it was a long match, right? Two tie breaks, three sets. Yeah. Mute had a lot of chances. He played well. Like, it was a good match, high-quality match for the challenger level. They also played, I believe, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. So there could be history there. And they're, you know, handshake. And then I think Andreev just grabs his hand, and then either Mute pulls him in, and then, like, Andreev throws his shoulder at him. And then, you know, as Andreev goes to talk, you know, 
shake hands with the umpire, Wute just full on like wax him. <laughs> it was it see it didn't seem like it was a big deal, but apparently there was like he just I think Wute was frustrated at losing that match with how well he defended and played overall, and then just saw like a little extra bump in the handshake. And it was like, that's my cue to go off on this guy. Is Andreev kind of an aggressive dude like that? Or I, obviously Mute is. Not really. Yeah, Mute is just, a, he's not a great loser. He's got a terrible attitude. You know, he's in that Fonini kind of mold, that pear, Kyrgios kind of mold, right? He's kind of like a sourpuss kind of kind of guy. So mm-hmm. I, I said big, angry, short guy energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, touch on the Labor Cup. Started out great uh, as we predicted Rude and Steph to kind of roll over Sock and uh, Diego. Sock actually went to uh, the third set tiebreak, was doing pretty well, and then Rude came out in the end. Uh, but Diego, as predicted, got steamrolled. And uh, I gave out uh, ADM minus 150 versus Andy Murray, which cash, which was nice. But uh, then, you know, what I said was going to be a lopsided win for Team Europe turned out to be a win for Team World, brought home by a big comeback win by Tiafo over Tsitsipas. So I was actually a pretty good weekend of action i didn't really watch it as much as i, I kind of thought i would i it's been a lot of tennis lately the, the climactic uh match was also happening during football so uh i missed out on that one but uh, good for team world i mean to me i think a big takeaway that we can have kind of goes to what we have talked about on a few podcasts now is that the parody is pretty high in uh, men's tennis and that uh you know what we thought would be a rollover win for team europe uh wasn't so because you know what team team world has the playing field is leveled a bit, indicative of the, the full calendar year so far in 2022, I think. All right, guys. Well, that was the tennis that was. Uh, let's look at the tennis that will be. Uh, three sites this week, plenty of action. There's been 58 matches so far this week, main draw matches, not including the Challenger Tour that John is currently sweating. Uh, <laughs> ATP Sofia in Bulgaria, some hot indoor Hardcore action, uh, some faster speeds here. Yannick Sinner comes in as the back-to-back champion and the one seed uh, in his first match. He gets the win, but but does not get the cover of the closing line, five and a half uh, versus Nuno Borges. Uh, you know, I, I actually played the plus five at plus 130. I wish I would have had the hook at minus 110, but uh, I got a little overzealous here. But I was poking around on at Tennis Abstract, and I, I just want to say this, so part of their like match charting projects. So this is the last 52 weeks, the return stats. Uh, do you know who is a top five returner on there is Mr. Nuno Borges, uh, which I thought um, was kind of interesting. He's got a 70 70- people rating though, because that would, that would kind of weigh in the quality of competition, right? He's been a challenger guy. I don't know how many ATP matches he has. I think that this week was his first win outside of Portugal on the ATP tour in singles. So you got to weight that with like the fact that he's playing a lot of lesser servers, right. On, uh, on the challenger tour. Yeah. It's also a small sample size of seven matches charted for him. So, but they have uh, ADM who is a great returner. He's the top of the list with five matches charted at 77%. So I, I, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I think that there is, you know, part of the reason I I like took the five with the plus was because I I thought one first time Yannick's played all week might start out slow. And he typically is a slow starter. Five was a lot in a three-step match, especially for a rising player like Nuno. I got the push there. Anyway, other past winners of this event include RBA, Dimitrov, who lost to Ivashka already, Medvedev, Basich, I don't know how to say his name. He's the only outlier or random winner back in 2018. So far this week, uh, only 7 of 21 main draw matches have gone three 
sets, although four of six did today. So might tip as the competition gets a little stiffer here end of the week, but you never know. I, you know, last week we pointed that out in the Mets draw and all those went to uh, pretty much all the way I, to the final. I think Sonego won his straights in the final. So by the way, Booplick, I, I just remembered, I want to talk about this. You saw that um, he was pulling out some Harlem, Harlem Globetrotter shit, right? Where he was, oh. he, <laughs> he hit the ball with the bottom of his racket. On a, oh, yeah, on a sitter, and it was a break point. Point. He yep. was down a break, and that kind of told you that he had given up. He was down a set and break, and it was 30-40. He gets a sitter in the service box, easy overhead. He flips his racket around and pokes it with, like, the handle. It's like, that's where he basically told you, I'm done. I'm yeah. done with this turn. It was the final, man. Like, imagine paying final money, even at the 250 level, paying to go to a final, and it's, like, set and break. Okay, well, whatever. Public, he had got to deuce a few times. Maybe he finds that break and then can extend to a third. And like you get your money's worth and it's a good atmosphere. But when, when someone just gives up like that, it's like, come on. Like enough with this crap of I'm good for the sport. Like like him and Kyrgios like to keep yeah. yapping, yammering on about. No, nah, man, people may come and spend money. But when they see crap like that, they're not going to they're going to stop coming and spending money. So don't say that you're bringing people out. Maybe you bring people out, but you may also turn them off or turn other people off. Like there is a counterbalance to be had. Yeah, the yeah. commentating for that specific play was like spot on. Like when they saw him just flip the racket over, they're like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then he freaking does it. And then he gets booed. And then he's just laughing on his chair. And then they're like, dude, this is a final. You can't do that. Like, yeah, if he wants to do that crap, cool. Do that in like the first round or just do it at home. Do it at practice. You know, like, don't do that crap in a final. It's like you deserve to get booed. And he just thinks this whole thing is a joke. I'm like, all right, man, there's a place for jokes. There's a place for taking things serious. And a final, that's where you take shit seriously, you know? Yeah, agreed. Uh, agreed. All right, well, back to Sophia here. Big headline is uh, the two seed, Pablo Busta, is gone. He went down uh, to Marc-Andre Hussler, 6'3", 3'6", 6'2". I believe Hussler is a serve and volley guy. So serve and volley takes down Busta again. And a lefty. And a lefty. So He's that seem, seems to be a bit of a kryptonite here for Busta. Uh, Watch for Mark Andrea the rest of the the week as well. He's got a winnable match in the quarters, and this will be up by by the time the quarter his match happens. The quicker courts will also help him. He's comfortable on clay because he grew up in Europe, uh, but his best clay results were at altitude in Mexico, right where it plays quicker. Indoor hard court, same thing. He make he commits a lot of errors. And when you commit as many errors as he does from the baseline, you kind of want shorter points, right? And his serve forehand and quick courts allow you to keep points short and reduces that error count. So watch for him the rest of this week because we saw him do it in Winston-Salem. These conditions actually favor him even more than Winston-Salem. Yeah, well, I'll just quick final note here is Hogaruna took down last week's Mets champ. Sonego as a small dog. And uh, But yeah, pivot over to the draw talk. You've mentioned Hustler uh, already uh, going D. I have him in the final. John. So yeah, we're on the same page there. Um, he would play. He's got uh, Mycheck next, who I is not a player I'm that intimidated by. I saw he was minus one fifty four, which is a, a nice money line money line play to me. I, I would I would play that money line. In fact, it might get steamed up, so I would snag that uh, early if I can. The, the other match I'm kind of interested in here in the the bottom half is uh, this Struve Musetti match. Musetti is coming in as a, a slight dog here. Now I don't know if this is like a trap or whatever because I mean Struve has done nothing all year. He's a bit of a forgotten man on the tour. Musetti, obviously uh, a young up and comer, 
Not quite sure why he's coming in as the dog. I know he's not, doesn't have the best, you know, indoor hardcore or hardcore record and, you know, a faster court, maybe, you know, they're, they're reading that. So again, uh, uh, I, I sniff a trap here. Also, Musetti just uh, completely untrustworthy to me. I'm always on the wrong side on him, but I kind of like him at plus 110 in this match. Stroof, if it goes to three, I mean, he's just so terrible from the baseline. And Musetti's a great returner. I don't know, man. I like Musetti in that one. I'll be all over Stroof um, for that one. Uh, the one-handed backhand for Musetti is a huge liability on quick courts. It, it should have been more of a liability last round. Lazarov had him on the ropes. Uh, it was 7-6, six, 6-5. Six, Lazarov serving for it. Ends up only pushing plus four somehow, some way. Just disgusting uh, beat. But Lazarov, not a huge game from the baseline. Does not have the power to rush Musetti. Didn't have the power. And also had a one-handed backhand. Stroof with the serve and volley can really shorten points on Musetti. If he can target that backhand with his first serves, he will find a million cheat points. And he is a form player. The last time he actually had a good tournament, I think he either won it a challenger or went to the final of a challenger. So that's also worth watching. He's in good form. He's got quicker courts. And again, when the points are shorter, it favors the power players who may also be erratic, which Stroof is. But if he can shorten those points, you have to hit fewer balls, you're going to commit fewer errors. Fewer errors give you a better chance to win. I think Stroof fits that same mold as Huesler here, whereas Musetti, especially with that one-handed backhand that still is susceptible on quick courts, I, I just, I think that's a little tough uh, of a matchup for him. So I'll probably be backing Stroof here at a cheap price. All right, I yeah. like that. I like the uh, opposite sides here. Uh, uh, Derek, uh, tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Coach John over here. He, he kind of sliced and diced that thing scientifically. Dude, you should uh, try to see if Stroof is looking for a coach because <laughs> nothing else seems to help him out too much. But yeah, if that guy gets on a roll, he can actually prove that he's a decent tennis player. Other times he proves that he's definitely not. So um I don't know. It wouldn't be all that crazy to take Struff there. Okay, well, let's just play out the bottom real quick. So, Huesler versus either Musetti or Struff. Uh, you, you like him uh, against either of those guys, John? Yeah, I like him against both of those guys, honestly. Again, and I, even more, if Musetti does come through, I'm really hoping that he's a favorite against Huesler, which he should be, because then you don't just get the same kind of power guy on quick courts with a big serve and Huesler. You actually get a lefty forehand. So, now those cross-court balls are going right into that one-handed backhand. That He's actually set up better than he's well equipped even more than Stroop is to take advantage of that potential liability looking at the top half here we have Avashka versus Runa Avashka is minus 125 Runa was minus 105 so a bit of a pick here with the slight Runa is a, just a slight dog but still not a, a plus money dog I like Avashka in a pick here Runa you know he's had some decent results over the last two weeks, uh, you know, adjusting to these indoor hard courts. I just think Avashka is kind of a beast. I'll take a, a beast versus a, a kid who goes through long bouts of inconsistency. So how are the courts playing here? Are they pretty fast or slow or medium fast, medium slow? It used to be really fast. Then last year, they were slower than normal. This year, we're seeing a lot of like a lack of break points, even among guys that don't have a, a ton of power. Almost mm-hmm. every match, uh, I think like six of the first eight had at least one set go seven, five, or better, so either 12 games or, or a tie break. They're playing quicker. The serves are, are really skidding through. All right. Um, and so for that reason, I'm exactly what Mr. Berger said. I'm with uh, I'm with him on that for, for Ivashka. Yeah, so that's why I asked. The courts are running pretty quick. I'd roll with Ivashka on that one. The pedigree is just there. And again, the, the more he's 
got power off both wings. He prefers quicker courts to slower courts, even though we had that clay season last year, kind of like Mackie McDonald and him, just the outlier clay season. They are quicker court players. Uh, and again, pedigree, power off both wings, and a little more consistency. Sinner's coming in as a five-game favorite against uh, the Australian Vukic. Um, kind of a challenger grinder here. A similar line to the the Nuno match before. I, I kind of like. Here's what I'll say. I I like the Nuno side. He does You know, he doesn't get to cover today. Now watch. You know, Vukic like just easily cover versus Sinner. But I, I kind of like this. I hate saying this because I like the Sinner. I think Sinner. I think he blows this kid out of the water. I don't. I don't think this kid is very good. But I, he's going to move on. I, I, I let's cut to the chase here. I, I think Sinner's probably going to win this for a third time in a row, especially if he's playing uh, Hustler in the final, as I think that we all have. I mean, is this? They should just rename this to Sinner Open. I mean, he's not playing. <laughs> he's basically, an EXO for this guy. He's not playing the the toughest competition. Kind of a tune-up here for him all week. Uh, I don't really have much. Uh, we have three sides here to kind of go over. I don't really have much else to say about this. Uh, anyone else have anything else about the Sophia Open before we move on? Um, no, except that I guess Sinner's probably eventually going to have a court named after him in Bulgaria. <laughs> Their, their countries have the same uh, colored flags, right? Oh, good red, enough. Red, green, and white. Close Yeah, enough. he's going to have one in Mexico too then, I guess. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we have uh, two left, and both are back in action uh, at their respective sites uh, for the first time since the 1990s. Uh, kind of exciting to see some of these uh, old sites uh, get brought back into play. ATP Tel Aviv is what we're going to talk about next. Uh, some more indoor hardcore action. Novak comes in as the, the one seed and he bagels Pablo Andujar in his first set of action. Andujar picked up a nice win against Montero as a plus 200 dog uh, in the round before. Uh, older guy with a little IQ and some game left getting a win. Talked about that last week. These neutral conditions. Look out for that. Great spot. Hopefully people out there played that one. Novak uh, was spotted running around amongst the people working out on the beach. It's a pretty amazing video. It's like uh, out of an 80s like uh, montage of like getting getting a little bit better. <laughs> so far, seven of 20 main draw matches have gone three sets. So again, we're, we're tilting to the unders here. Some headlines. Uh, Diego Schwartzman can't do it for the chosen people uh, here in Tel Aviv. Uh, loses as a small favorite, minus 130 to Rinderknich, pathetic loss for Diego in in my book. I that is not a match he, he should lose. Uh, even well, he even was it, dominating right from the from the start of the second set till like I think it was up four two in the third. He was just crushing, and then all of a sudden it was gone again. John, you highlighted less the end last week, and he keeps winning. So good on John. Good on this pod. Hopefully people took that info and uh, saw his name and was pressing the bet button so far. Picks up a straight set win versus Emil Rusevori. That's a nice win. Not that Rusevori is like uh, a world beater, but uh, he's definitely a, a rising star and I think uh, someone who the books respect. So that's a solid win for Lestian. Cressy beats Corda in straights. That's who Lestian takes on next. Not a ton to, to, to go over here with this one, I have to say. Novak seems uh, primed to similar to center. This seems like yeah. an XO for Novak. I mean, he's going to play Pospisil and the winner of Rinderknecht versus uh, the uh, Russian uh, Safilian, who had some indoor success uh, at one, one of those early 
indoor hardcore. So I, I actually like him as a small dog versus uh, Renderknecht, who seems very breakable, even though he has the, the serve. Derek pointed out last week, the serve might not be as good as people think. And uh, Renderknecht, uh, I don't think is a, a trusty favorite coming into this one. Roman Safulin just... is a plus 105 dog. So I kind of I kind of lean him there. Versus Roland Rindernich as a as a favorite, uh, unlike the <laughs> Sophia or even the the Soul site, uh, it doesn't really feel like we're getting to the top tier here as the week goes on. Liam Brody beats uh, Bodic VDZ today, so he'll play Chilich next. Chilich at least uh, has a little bit of sizzle here on these indoor hard courts. I like Chilich to kind of to roll over Brody, roll over the winner of Cressy or Lestien, and, and make the final versus Novak uh any hot takes or surprises along the way here Chilich is a minus four and a half versus Brody that seems pretty steep it could be six four six four not loving either side on that one what do you think about Lestian's chances versus Cressy John I think that's a lot more 50 50 than the books have lined it like obviously he doesn't have as big of a serve not many do but so like is Cressy gonna have a chance or two to find a break sure uh, especially because he likes to come up, step up onto that service line, get, take that ball return early. It's a high risk, high reward play. You're going to commit a ton of ugly errors that are going to technically go down as forced errors. But um, you're also going to find a lot of, you know, balls that become really tough for the server to get to. And that's kind of his thing. He knows he's not the greatest returner. He can't move and defend well. So just try and take the point right off the bat. The other, on the flip side, you know, he's obviously got the service edge, but he double faults far more. And Les Tien is like a precision-based player. So against a serve and volleyer, if you can find a passing shot or two, and you know, you're gifted a double fault or two in a return game, all of a sudden you've got pressure on his serve. So I do think there's a, actually a path to break Cressy here for Les Tien. There's obviously a path for the, the reverse as well. I think the over um, is probably the look for me and then a, a slight underdog money line look as well. Cause again, I think it's closer to like a 52, 48, 53, 47 kind of deal. I've seen it get up to a plus 150 out there. Uh, Pinnacle had it up to plus 150, and that's obviously a 40% implied probability. So I think that, you know, that's a, at least a few percentage points off. Um, and that is, again, I was going to pass earlier, but that is the way the market has moved that I don't mind fading that steam on Cressy. He's up to less DM up to plus 145 on the dog side so pretty nice pretty nice price there uh cressy you know earlier this year on indoor hardy was not exactly great he flamed out of the dallas open as i recall so you know as much as he's quicker hard courts favor the serve and volley guy with the big serve uh you know he's also not the most consistent great player on the planet either and especially a guy i mean we saw it last week in person i mean unless the can can hit some shots and some angles uh, the guys can't get to. I think looking at the uh, the odds here, Pospisil, I hate to say it, plus six versus Novak, kind of interesting to me in a three-step match. Pospisil actually has stunk recently, but uh, he actually made the final of Sofia two years ago. So he's not a bad indoor hardcore player. Uh, yeah, but two years ago, Vashik and this year, Vashik are two completely different players. Agreed. Agreed. But six is just a lot of games. <laughs> so many games for three six? sets oh yeah so i don't know that's mildly interesting i i think novak it's nice to have him back actually i hate you know i'm not a big novak guy but geez the, I, I the whole time during the u.s open i was just this is so stupid that novak Djokovic isn't here i i mean maybe more eyes on tennis than any time in the last five years happened during that u.s open and they don't have the top men's player there like that 
was so stupid. Well, let's move on to, uh, yeah, I've actually watched a d- decent amount of this Korea Open here in uh, Seoul. So let's pivot to that right now. This is a tournament attended by members of the K-pop group BTS. So big news there. Uh, the Kendra Casper Rude's match against uh, Nicholas Jari, which uh, Rude won, of course, because he's really good at tennis and Jari not so much, especially on hardcore. Uh, not th- I didn't need to bag on Jari there, but uh, but I did. Nori, Cam Nori is the uh, two seed on the bottom half. He won in straights versus... Uh, his uh, opponent, and now he takes on Jensen Brooksby. These uh, that match and some of the stuff is going to happen before we can get this out uh, for people to listen. And in fact, you know, no big headlines uh, so far are really upsets. Uh, Yoshi won as a small dog uh, versus Dan Evans, but he was coming in hot from San Diego. Not the biggest shocker. Uh, American uh, Kovacevic beat uh, Kashmanovic as a, a dog in straight. So that, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, this one is really lopsided to the under. So far, three of 17 main draw matches have hit three sets. Uh, so that's a total of 17 of 58 matches over the three sites this week, or hit the three set mark. So, I mean, this, yep. this might the be. The overs a- are still hitting, though. There's been a lot of, like, not a lot of, but there's been seven, there's been a few seven, six, seven, five matches in there as well. There's seven, five, six, four, seven, six, six, four. There's been a few two set overs as well. In terms of the game total, but a lot of these books are offering over over under uh, or two and a half sets. So I think a solid look uh, the rest of the way here for the, the calendar run is blind betting under two and a half sets. Uh, at least the, the last two weeks uh, have trended that way. Um, now, this is an interesting draw with and I've got a hot take that I, I will save because I'm not super stoked on it but you got to put yourself out there from time to time and there's going to be surprise there's surprises every week i don't you know we didn't really see sonego taking down mets last week uh it could uh, go back uh every week there's always something that you wouldn't expect to happen but we have uh nori versus booksby this will probably be you know hitting uh, podcast feeds around the time when they play i i, I kind of like nori to get that out versus Brooksby. Brooksby, though, is a, a pretty decent-sized dog in this match. I don't think that he should be plus 170 versus Cam Nori. Yeah, I saw him play Nori at the Indian Wells tournament this year. Nori just handled him the entire time. Like, Brooksby didn't even have a freaking shot. Granted, uh, this is a completely different tournament, different surface speed and whatnot. But still, Much faster, uh, much faster. These are, yes. these are playing pretty fast. And so Nori's a what minus three games at minus 125 i still stick with nori here jensen did not look great against uh, o'connell um last he hasn't week. looked great since uh, he didn't look great against Mackey. um like he's just been so up and down and the, i think the tours figured out his game man like he's yeah. got junk he's got slices he's got great rally tolerance it's like great so you're a challenger player that plays on clay and you had tricks up your sleeve and, you know, the tour took a while to adjust. Now they know you and you've had your one Atlanta run. What have you done mm-hmm. in the last, since Miami? What have you done? You've, you're 6'4 with no fucking serve. Yeah. Like, so like develop a-, a goddamn serve and then we'll talk. But until then, he's just going to win a lot of matches with consistency. And he's going to lose his second or third match at every event he plays. And of course, I've just jinxed him. He's going to go on like a tear at the end of the year and win three <laughs> events in a row. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just, he's so plain. And like how you cannot beat Nori with that game style. You need something to beat him. Yeah. I mean, like even last year, like when everyone was all over him and he was just ripping and he was like, even what took a set off a freaking uh, Novak at the U S open last year and stuff like that. And you're kind of like, Holy crap, this kid's got something. And he just has like that awkward game style, but 
this year, it's like the new car sense just worn off and uh, people just kind of figured him out. And I don't know, he's, he's solvable now. Well, last year, I feel like he, he was like this puzzle that no one could really put together. A lot of people have uh, Nishioka as a, a surprise that might uh, take this whole thing down here. He comes up against Casper Rude next uh, as a plus four and a half game dog. You know, Rude used to be the 250 guy, more of a clay 250 guy, but still the, the, the small tournaments were his bread and butter. That was his knock up until he's made two slam finals. He's also proven he's pretty good on a hard court. Now, it's, I have to say that some of these USO courts that he had success on, I don't think we're playing as fast as we're going to see here in Seoul. I still think that he has a, a class to that's just better than Nishioka, but I feel like every time I say that on this podcast, uh, the other side wins. So that's a stay away from me. I move rude on, but, uh, you know, Nishioka, who I think stinks, uh, actually is kind of alive uh, in this match uh, and could be a surprise here. John, what do you think? It's a tough one. I mean, it's just, I actually wrote this out on my daily kind of previews where I try and outline all the matches at tour level. And my thing here was like, sometimes you just got to admit when you just have no idea how something's going to play out. And this is one of those matches like rude has improved his serve. He's been better on hard courts. It's been a bit more aggressive. The backhand has really steadied. So, it, you know, as the court gets quicker, it used to be so easy to pick on for free points. It's not the case anymore. Like there's a lot to like about his game. The results have, have shown that, but at the same time, like you really need, a bit more of a weapon than he has against Nishioka. Like your hold percentage is up, but your serve isn't overwhelming, right? Your winner count on hard courts is starting to improve, but the forehand is not like, you know, just blitzing through courts. I still think Nishioka can kind of, you know, he's within, I, I wrote that the power game that Rude has kind of built up to is still within the grasp of Nishioka dragging him into the mud, and just like going into a three hour battle for this one. So I actually don't hate that number at what plus 235, plus 240 now. I like it's tempting. It's certainly tempting. I don't think, you know, it's obvious Rude's the favorite here. I'm just saying, how often do you have Nishoka winning? Do you have it below 30%? Because that's where the market I think has it right now. I don't know if that's a sub 30% kind of uh, outcome. Yeah, I like that. And I like uh, attacking it from that perspective. Also, I, I believe similar conditions to Washington where. Nishioka had that uh, the hot run uh, this summer. So certainly um, a lot uh, to like about Nishioka in a match that uh, he's, I'm not saying they're counting him out, but uh, four and a half games, that's, uh, that's that's quite a bit, especially with a guy like Rude, who he can play in a first set, or play to the level of competition. If this ends up a tie break, it wouldn't shock me. All right, well, then um, I have Mackie McDonald uh, beating Kovacevic, who I don't know a ton about. That line is at three and a half. You know, it's been a while since Mackie's done anything, and I think this is a nice setup for him. You know, Kovacevic could be, he is a, a, I have to say, John, you're more of the challenger grinder, but I do see Kovacevic has been winning a bit on on the challenger scene, not like uh, taking down tournament after tournament, but I do see his name in the W column. And I think certainly beating Kashmanovich is going to give you um, a little bit of uh, confidence, but I think this is a nice spot for, for Mackey to, to pick up a tour win against someone uh, maybe a bit over his skis in this match. John, what do you think about that one? I think it all comes down to how that one-handed backhand looks for Alex. If that one-handed backhand is holding up like we saw, was it Indianapolis? Or where was it that he played Wu Yabing 
in the final and had championship points and couldn't take down his maiden challenger. His one-handed backhand that week went from like a massive liability that was always going to keep him outside that top 150 into like it's steady enough to work. And he's got such a massive serve forehand combo. Like, I mean, elite combination that on like these guys both like quick courts. I think the gulf in their games from slow courts to hard courts, like it's noticeable with Mackey. There may not be too many players out there in the top 200 where it's more noticeable than with Alex Kovacevic. He loves quick courts. So I kind of like his chances, but Mackey's a smart guy and he's tactically aware. And if that one-handed backhand is not, like he's not going to hit winners with it, Alex. He's he's going to have to kind of just survive uh, rallies with that until he can try and get a forehand or, you know, wait for an error, which Mackey's not prone to do. But if Mackey can pick on it and find cheap points, I think Alex is in a lot of trouble. So it, there's a huge matchup thing there that that he's going to have to pick on because Alex has the way bigger serve, bigger forehand. Uh, so I, I do think it like plus again, 240, like it's really tempting to me uh, to back Kovacevic in this spot. We mentioned uh, Nishioka's DC run. Uh, Mackey also had a, a DC run back in 2021. So, you know, if these conditions uh, are a bit similar, this could be a friendly environment for, for Mackey. You know, I have Mackey actually, I moved on Mackey and I have him beating Rude in the next round. I don't know. I got, I just got a sneaking suspicion, like doing this podcast more routinely. I think there was a solid run where I picked rude to go pretty far and then he would lose in the semifinals at these 250 events, you know, I think a loss to root is coming. Um, I could be wrong on that. Uh, I've been wrong before, but uh, I don't know. I just get the feeling that uh, rude, you know, he played a lot of tennis, uh, did pretty well for him just to kind of walk through this and uh, unscathed. I don't know. I just don't, I think that something might be coming down his way, but I, I will give and reveal my hot take for this tournament. And that is Dennis Shapovalov <laughs> is going thing. to win his second ATP title here this week, boys. Oh, I thought the hot take was going to be the same as mine. <laughs> What's yours? Dennis Shapovalov is going to lose to Radu Albot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know how I'm, I, I chase Albot <laughs> <No>. like. <laughs> That's not a hot this. take. <laughs> <laughs> that I could see first off, and I, I could be DOA right off before this podcast even hits. Albot, dude, I fucking chase this guy all fucking year. If he fucking upends <laughs> me with the Shapovalov take, I mean, he couldn't like cover uh, Wimbledon for me. Like, uh, he he was coming in hot. He had that. Uh, I believe he took down a challenger last week or something. Albot, that is. Now you got me scared, but I I don't know, man. I I think that you know Shapo looks like the same player as always, but I actually think it's enough to get him by. You know, especially against Nori. Like, if he doesn't UE himself to death, he's going to outserve and he's going to have more winners than Nori. I think he can get out that match. And then, you know, if he plays Rude or Mackey, any of these guys in the top half, uh, it's going to be the same deal. He's going to be able to serve and, and hit winners. He's just got to keep the ball in the court, man. This is set up. If he's ever going to win a title, <laughs> this is it, man. <laughs> and he has to know that, too. He has to know he has the class to win this thing. So... If he doesn't lose tonight, uh, as John predicts, uh, I I like Shapo. I mean, he has he has the class to win any two fifty. He just doesn't. I yes, I agree. Such is the life of Dennis Shapovalov. Yeah, so that's why I don't I don't love this take, by the way. But uh, you know, I, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put myself out there. Let's hope that one move. of us is right. Let's hope he doesn't like lose the semi or the final, and we're both wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean, if Shapo loses, I, I think that Nori's probably gonna win this thing. Yeah. Or or Mac, I also like Mackey as a dark horse too. If you're looking for a longer shot, you still can get to, to uh, get uh, the outright winner. Or or a lot of people are on Nishioka if you want to join that party. 
um, for the the longer shots. Uh, I I just rude to me feels like he's primed to to lose at some point. So I'll probably be fading him each and every match and and just live with it. He's a good player, but you're gonna get pretty good odds against him. Derek, do you have any thoughts on this draw? Well, for me personally, what well, we're like nine months into this tennis season, I'm honestly kind of tennis out at this point. Like post uh, the U.S. Open, there's these two fifties all lined up. We got three this week, and I'm like, there's still tennis going on. We got football starting, like uh, <laughs> hockey preseason just started, you know. And it's kind of like what baseball playoffs are about to start too. And I'm like, dude, we still got this tennis thing going, and it wouldn't surprise me if these players are kind of thinking the same thing. Like, like they're like, dude, we're at the final stretch. We just got to like, whatever, two more months of this stuff. Let's just go out there. And they're like, kind of just there to work rather than there to compete necessarily. So given that, I think it's like anyone's tournament. Like I don't necessarily think Roddy Wildbot's going to go and just win this whole freaking thing, but it wouldn't surprise me if Shapovalov won, but I got to still think that like Nori's going to win this whole thing. But like but I that's said, that's a guy who doesn't just he doesn't do that, right? He doesn't do yeah. the whole lay down kind of concept. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he goes out there and he does his thing. Like, he, he doesn't give up. He's plays consistently. So I gotta imagine, like, given that mindset, that Nori would take this whole thing. And you know what? He won around this time last year. He, I believe. Well, no, Ru- you know what? Actually, we could be cruising towards uh, flip to a calendar uh, a year ago. It was a rude uh, Nori final. Uh, at the San Diego before Indian Wells, which was a thousand, but we're we're staring down a, a 500 next week in Japan. So uh, to that end, Derek, you know your your point about these guys uh, kind of going through the motions this week. Uh, you know maybe Rude's not as inspired to to, to do it. Nori, I do think is a guy who will will keep his level, but uh, but that, that's a good point with these 500s looming. Um, maybe these guys are just kind of out there working through it, hanging out with BTS members. Uh, just enjoying their time uh, in, a- in Asia. I mean, you can't, you haven't been able to go over there. So you keep okay. bringing up BTS just to get some more hits or what? Uh, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> we're getting um, a, a lot of put new, that in the pod the, description. Yeah. Put hashtag the pod BTS army. <laughs> it was Jin. Jin was there. He was looking great. Um, I'll act like I, I know who that is right now. <laughs> yeah. You, you and Casparu definitely know who Jin is. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Dude, Kasparud, I think Kasparud openly said it too. I think they asked his uh, on-court interview. He's like, I don't know that. I don't know who they are. I'm like, I've heard the name. I'm the same way. I'm like, I've heard the name BTS. I couldn't name the name of one song or any of the band members. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, he is a younger guy, and uh, but and he has close personal friends with Shania Twain. So that's more his speed. So. Did he really ask? Canadian. If, <laughs> I think he asked if BTS was a group or just one guy. No, really? Yes. That's amazing. I read that like on a tweet and the tweet was in quotes. So, I, I mean, it wasn't directly from like an interview or anything that I saw like a video, but I think the person was tweeting the quote from the video. So I'm a big fan of this uh, site, though. I hope they keep it going. The crowd shots are, are great. They actually have some different camera angles working this week uh, for that match for whatever reason. Um, but uh, but yeah, fun, fun tournament. Fun is for us because we can actually watch it. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have said it all. It's been another great edition of this podcast. If you have made it here, thank you. Follow us uh, at MP9 Tennis. Uh, Click subscribe on all your podcast platforms. Uh, And until next time, see you on the court.